be with the coach. Dean Twenty Radio, your gamers' role. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Transmissions from the Ninth World. And boy, do we have a packed house for you tonight. Of course, as always, my name is David Brown and with me is... Uh, oh, oh, me, Eric Coates. I'm here. And... Uh, today, I'm Jim Ryan. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, not Jim. Yes. And we have very special guests. Uh, the first I'm going to announce, uh, uh, Brandon Ording, um, who is joining us, and we'll explain why a little later. Welcome, Brandon. Hello. Uh, and we also have with us some esteemed Monty Cook Games guests, uh, the, the creme de la creme. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Bruce Cordell. Hey, thank you very much for having me on board. Absolutely. And Monty Cook himself. Hey, how's it going? Hello. And Shauna Germain. Hello. As I said, a packed house. I'm thrilled that everybody is here and we're doing this. And we have so much to talk about. It has been a while since we talked. Last episode was was with Bruce. So um, it's, you know, we'll just make you a regular part of the show, Bruce. How about that? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Um, so let's get in. We have so much to talk about. Um, obviously the show is focused on Numenera. So let's talk specifically about what's been going on with Numenera lately. Um, the first, first to, to talk about is the Devil's spine has now been released to the public. Uh, backers have had it for a while. Sorry again. I said, yay. Yay. Sorry. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Yes. Much rejoicing. <laughs> um, make what they're rejoicing. Yes. <laughs> So let's let's go over for those who may be new to the thing, um, whomever from MCG wants to step in. What's the story? How did Devil Spine come about coming out of the original Kickstarter? And um, let's talk about it. I can do that. I'll yes. start. Um, so the Devil's Spine was something that we originally slated in the Kickstarter as being three separate adventures. Um, and then as we started to work on it and put it together, we realized that Actually, it would be really awesome if it was three separate adventures, but that were also combined into one large, almost kind of campaign-length piece. And so um, we started working on an, an overarching story that combined the three pieces. And then you can play each adventure in their own order. You can play them as individual things, or you can play you can combine them into this larger uh, sort of campaign-sized piece. And it's super creepy. I don't recommend it for kids, but if you like it, yes. it's totally for you. Yes. I think the, I, the title Devil's Spine should probably give a pretty good indicator. It's creepy. <laughs> uh, any, any, the, go ahead. One of the things that I really like about Devil's Spine is that while it is three adventures that you can play separately or you can link them together – even if you link them together, you can still play them in any order. Okay. So there's a lot of flexibility um, on the point of, you know, it's not a real roadie kind of thing at all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't even think about that. That makes total sense. Total sense. Um, 
and any obviously it's hard to talk about an adventure without giving away spoilers so we're going to do our best to not give away spoilers but is there any anything that we can talk about that would help give people a good flavor feel for it without giving away plot points well it takes you to it takes the the players to a lot of different locations um each one of the adventures is decidedly different from the others um you know so uh a lot of discovery and and sort of trying to figure out how to get some old tech to work again um and then another is is actually a a strangely old school dungeon crawl um but with a a numenera twist and uh another you know takes you deep deep under the ocean right so it's uh you know there's a lot of travel there's a lot of interaction you know it's not all combat by any means uh in fact it's it's one of those adventures that you could probably get through a lot of it by avoiding combat if that was your thing Mm -hmm. um but you know if you like bashing skulls there's a lot of skulls (laughs) as well and i mean who doesn't yes (laughs) and and very squishy skulls i must say Lots of new creatures, um, new ciphers and artifacts. Uh, you know, you could you could buy it just for that alone, practically. Oh, and you know that we can't not talk about the showums. Oh, oh nice. yes, of course. Oh, that, yeah. that was so, on the agenda. Yeah. So one of the things that we, I'm not sure exactly how we came up with it. I think it was during one of our sort of brainstorms because we're always trying to say, okay, well, this is kind of what people expect. How can we take it one step farther and make it better and cooler and more interesting? And so the way for The Devil's Spine, we decided to do that was the last section of the book is all what we call showums. Um, and they're just big half page pieces that are designed specifically for the GM to say, all right, and you round the corner and this is what you see. Mm-hmm. And then the GM can hold up that image um, and the characters can really imagine that that's the thing that they're walking into. Um, and it's a really great opportunity to showcase some of our amazing artists and to help people get really into the feel and especially because a lot of them are either really cool scenery or the the great creatures that you're going to encounter. It's a wonderful moment for the GM to pop those up um, and either <laughs> creep everybody out or sort of make them in awe of the landscape. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that with as different a setting as Numenera is and how very um, – I'm, I'm at a loss for words here, but it, it – it needs some more visualization to connect players because it's so out there sometimes. Oh, it's weird. Duh. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> That's okay. Cause that gives me a good sound bite that I can use later. Good. <laughs> good. I'm at a loss for words. I'm going to use it as your ringtone. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, and it begins. Vocabulary. <laughs> All right. I want to say I love the underwater stuff. I, I'm a huge sucker for underwater adventures, and there just aren't enough adventures out there that take place underwater. So he when I saw so. that, I was like, I got all giddy and and got the little <laughs> my, my little laugh on. I was like, yes. Did, did, did you get out your inner tube immediately? <laughs> One of the great things for me about working on that was that we got to c- come up with all these really cool Numenera devices that allow the players to go underwater, and it isn't sort of you only get one choice it's that here are all these different ways in which you can protect yourself from the pressure and the cold and 
And so it was really fun to just come up with the wide variety of ways to get players all the way out there and all the way in the depths. Yeah, no, no little floaty wings that put on blow up on your arms or anything, though. <laughs> <laughs> or like rubber duck things. That's nice. We can but dream. Yes. <laughs> That's in the next one. Yeah. Yes, with, with, with all the octopus discussion you guys had about the, you know, the, the octopi who saw the first humans back and, oh, you're back. <laughs> I actually um, got a new uh, iPhone case made from uh, Grove made, awesome bamboo uh, phone, but it's got a octopus carved on the back of it. So oh, that's, so cool. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm a total Numenera, um, you know, fan kind of. Okay. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. Uh, any Anybody else from, from the podcast team brandon or or, uh jim have any thoughts about uh the game and or uh, any questions about that module Um, i'm still reflecting on the fact that the octopus is always going to be watching you but that's that's beside the point i'm sorry go ahead (laughs) no that's okay um i i did actually end up getting my copy of it while i was up in north carolina with you guys so that was actually kind of interesting it was waiting for me nice uh, when i got back and i've you know read all the way through it and i think the adventure's amazing um one of the things i did find was as big as the showums are i still kind of wanted like a full page spread <laughs> like i was almost hoping that maybe the pdf version of it would have yeah. like a full page view of the, of the image you could blow it up half screen pretty easily cuz i know like one of the preview images um actually had like you put out actually had like a full size thing and i was like oh i wish i had that you know full big image again for everything else but yeah you can you can blow that up on a screen i do that all the yeah, time yeah it works it's good it looks that awesome was, but uh but yeah i love that the uh i love the way the adventure is so you know modular and uh the fact that yeah you did have like oh there's not just one way to go underwater there's 15 different ways to go underwater it's pretty nice. crazy that's great, actually. That that's uh, it, one of the more difficult things when you're ever trying to do just in any RPG, trying to get people into an unusual environment is you know just figuring out the uh, figuring out the how of it. It usually takes up a lot of uh, a lot of brain space, and it's like you you've come up with a you you know you think for a while you come up with a gimmick, and then if 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 a hole gets poked in that gimmick, you're done. Uh, so if you've got that many ways to go down there, then that I, that's going to be really helpful. Well, I mean, what's so awesome is is with Numenera, the breadth of uh, adventures that are now available to someone getting into the game. There's the, uh, was it three or four in the core book? There's four. the Nightmare, yeah, the four, the, the Nightmare Switch, which is the Kickstarter exclusive. The Vortex, uh, which was the first glimmer that was the Gen Con adventure. And now the three in Devil's Spine. I mean, that's a sizable amount of adventures available right out of the gate pretty much. Um, so kudos for that, and we hope to see more, much more. You know, it's probably worth mentioning, too, that Double Spine, um, you know, there's to make them all work together, the three adventures together, there's a, there's a, f- a framing story, mm-hmm. and which in and of itself is a complete adventure. So really, there's actually more like four adventures. Wow. Well, there's actually an optional subplot adventure in there, an optional adventure that you right, can that, also go. Right, wow. that ties directly into the framing story to make everything sort of even more complicated <laughs> if you're an ambitious game master. Nice. Yes. <laughs> nice. Well, excellent. Well, so with all the adventures that we've talked about now, now you guys are on the verge of releasing um, a new Glimmer uh, this week, right? That's right. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, perfect. So 
what Tomorrow, as we're recording this yeah, yeah. right right so <laughs> what um let's talk about the title and and the contents and and what is this going to add to a player for a player um it's called in strange eons uh, uh lovecraftian numenera and this was actually the the idea that i had that kind of spawned the whole glimmer concept um because I realized after I was done writing Numenera um, that it would have been fun to create like a like a, a whole little mini chapter in the book that was just about how to Cthulhu it up. Um, <laughs> ah, excellent. Um, you know, because there's there's some really interesting things that you can do that uh, you know with, and I don't just mean sticking in more tentacles. Um, you know, they're taking the idea of Lovecraftianism, that that cosmic horror, um, it fits Numenera so, so well. Um it, the idea that that you know you're 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 plumbing the depths of this stuff that you can't really fully comprehend and trying to make use of it uh is a very Lovecraftian concept. The 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 twist, of course, is that unlike in standard Numenera, that is very taxing on your mind um and you you begin to lose sanity as oh, you yeah. learn the more about learn the more about Numenera uh, the Numenera um so you know there are there are sanity rules for Numenera in this um I, we, we we spent a lot of time with kind of GM advice talking about how to play up the cosmic horror and and what it, what that really means um, you know, which cosmic horror versus sort of traditional horror. And, uh, and then there's, you know, some new creatures in there, uh, that will be familiar to fans of Lovecraft. Oh, right. Yeah. There's uh there's a couple of new descriptors. Um, excellent. Mad and, uh, uh, doomed. Yes, you're right. <laughs> you have to utter it aloud. <laughs> I was kind of scared. <laughs> that's the next descriptor. <laughs> oh, that that sounds awesome. I, that that's as as people who have played at my table can attest. There there's very little that I like more than driving the players insane. So uh, and and possibly the characters as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Jim loves a little mad and doomed in his games. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds exciting and all spectacular timing between the Devil Spine and and this to release right around Halloween. Uh, I know that's intentional, but it's also you know bliss for the rest of us. <laughs> Except for your players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, excellent. Um, and that, so that'll be releasing next week. We also have, uh, on the schedule, the bestiary coming out in January. Is that about the the right timing still for that? That's right. That's, uh, it's in editing right now, actually. Excellent. Um, and I can't remember how, what was, what was the page count on that roughly? It's 160 pages. Nice. That's a sizable book for, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a hardcover book. Um, beautiful cover by Kieran Yanner. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also the first book, uh, that Bruce worked on with us Excellent. Uh, we, after we brought him on. That's uh, right. Bruce is on the call with us. Bruce. Right. What? Wait, where? I, oh yes. Here I am. That's right. I, uh, I jumped in head, uh, 
both feet uh, on the bestiary and was great. I had a great time working with uh, with Monty and Sean on that. Excellent. Um, so you guys going to give us any teasers or anything? I mean, I'm not asking for specifics, but anything to <laughs> wet the whistle of the, the, the listeners? Well, I wanted to add that the bestiary does come out in January for Kickstarter backers, but ah, it's actually okay. not available on the street date until February. There you go. So Kickstarter backers will get it about a month early. Excellent. Good, good, good clarification. Um, again, any teasers other than dates? <laughs> um, well, you know what we've decided. Um, well, one of the things that I realized after finishing uh, the bestiary section of the core book was that um, sort of, I think rightfully so it, it kind of is heavy on creatures that are really good for beginning characters to face off against. And now while Numenera is not a game system where you have to carefully match up the, the tier of the character to the level of the monster or anything like that, um, you know, it's, it's clear that higher tier characters can take on greater and greater challenges. And so we made sure this time, um, assuming, you know, that, that Numenera campaigns are getting started and people are, the characters are starting to advance, um, there's plenty of stuff in there that will challenge even the most capable <laughs> and powerful uh, uh, Numenera character. Very nice. There's some really scary things in there, yeah. Very nice. And uh, while we're talking bestiary, there was a question that has come up again and again, um, and I don't remember if it's been answered, but the uh, Destroyer from the first core book, mm-hmm. um, what's the size on that thing? <laughs> Um, that it, it's, uh, very large. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's like a little land battleship. So, uh, you know, it's probably 80 feet long. Um, it's gigantic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's, I'm trying to do a service to, to the fans. (laughs) Um, yeah. You know, speaking of sizes, um, one of the cool things, you know, Shauna was talking about, we like to take every book and do something extra special with it to push it a little bit farther. And the thing that we decided to do with the bestiary was that um, most of the creatures are going to have a little size comparison chart. Very nice. Oh, that nice. will show it, uh, you know, in kind of silhouette form next to uh, a Numenera character. So it'll show you exactly, you know, how terrifyingly big <laughs> some of these things are compared to what your character is like. Um, you know, we're playing around with, with maybe taking all of this and making like some kind of gigantic poster or something with it. Cause the, the yeah. little silhouette images are turning out really cool. Very good. Really beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and how about that for a segue? That's awesome news. No, that's, I think, uh, that's going to be very helpful for a GM and even for players to comprehend. Cause that's the, that's the thing that just occurs to me again and again as we play Numenera, especially with even seasoned RPGers, that this stuff is really out there and it's excitingly fun that it's out there. But it's hard sometimes to make a good frame of reference uh, because it's so out there. So that's awesome. That's helpful. Well, you know, um, the Reaper uh, Bones Kickstarter just ended this weekend and that included some Numenera Bones miniatures, and uh, you know, so we had to provide them with very specific ideas of how big some of these creatures are. Um, so you were saying it, they 
you had to provide them with a specific scale for the creatures. Right, right. The for the for the Reaper bones miniatures, since we had they did a, a stretch goal that was Numenera bones, uh, we had to provide them with some very exacting sizes, of course, because they have to match it up millimeter by millimeter uh, with their with their figure lines. So excellent. It just ma- just made me think of that uh, when it comes to creature sizes. Absolutely, and you've got um, what were there? Five? No, you added some more at the end. Is that right? No, it all blends together there. Uh, I think it was four. There's the uh, right, Aaron Grass, um, the Ravage Bear, Ravage Bear, and then the Raster and the Itson. Itson, yep, yep. I was just pulled it up. Yeah, I have the uh, Aaron Grask and Ravage Bear from the Gen Con mini set that were special add-ins there. Um, so, but those were in metal format, not the bones, which, oh, that makes them collector's items. Cause they'll never be in metal format yeah. ever again. Cool. And cooler. I am excited about the bones. The, I really like the, the, what they do with the bones. So I'm very excited to see the raster. That's a really, that's from one of my favorite pieces from Kieran's art. So, you know, and it's worth mentioning that, uh, the Reaper, uh, the, the character figures, mm-hmm will be out from Reaper in December, and they will be available as individual miniatures in, nice. in blisters. That's oh, perfect. Excellent. excellent. Yep. I will have to pick those up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I should have nice. picked, said it. Uh, Gen Con, that's, that's okay. That's my bad. <laughs> uh, Brandon, you, you were at Gen Con. Did you get any? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I did pick up a set of them. Um, I kind of can't avoid buying things when they're offered like that. So yeah. So yeah. yeah. Failed your role. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So, well, that's awesome. Um, so the Reaper bones, we have the Lovecrafting glimmer. We talked about the best areas or anything else. Numenera that we, we need to not, not neglect. Um, there has been a slew of really good um, podcasts and, and sites coming out to support oh, yeah. the game. Definitely. Uh, the Ninth World Chronicles, which I'm partial to because I'm a player on it, is a actual play one. Uh, there's also the uh, the Signal, of course. We talked about that, I think, before. Um, the the in setting um, short one that GMs can use within their game, uh, and he's been cranking those out week after week. He's doing a fantastic job with those. Yeah, we love those. Um, there's yeah, a. I just saw another one the other day. Yeah, GM Intrusions, maybe. GM Intrusions. Thank you very much, Jim. See, this is why I don't do this alone. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't survive. Uh, But yes, GM Intrusions has has launched, and and that looks – I have not given it a listen to yet, but it it sounds really awesome. Um, So I need to check it out. Uh, And then the the new site, uh, The the Ninth World, uh, the uh, community site of posting the different – creations that that are being fan generated which is pretty awesome and we had our first licensed product go live uh ryan chaddock's uh celestial wisdom the data sphere um yeah our fans pretty much rock (laughs) (laughs) we're so i feel so lucky all the time (laughs) it's it's a wonderful time to be involved with numenera (laughs) so at that let's talk about the strange (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, anybody have any other thoughts on on Numenera? Because I mean, this is a, I've got one minor thing actually. It's not not a big big deal, but uh, uh, should anyone be uh, uh, interested in in the North Carolina area, 
Um, in uh, mid-November, there's a convention here in Charlotte called MACE, and I'll actually be running a session of Numenera there. And uh, there are two other GMs also running Numenera there. Yeah, I, I think um, I reached out to one of them uh, and offered some some help um, getting her uh, connected with uh, Money Cook Games. Uh, cool, cool. That's awesome. Uh, but I've basically I've uh, put together a scenario. I've, I've written a scenario uh, that I uh, recently play tested with our group um, that I, I'm calling Towers of Glass. And uh, if uh, anyone is curious and wants to read the spoilers on it, I actually put a, a ridiculously long post up on Ninth World Hub uh, in the uh, uh, adventure ideas section. And it has all the spoilers for the different things about what the green tower and the red tower and the blue tower mean and all that. And uh, uh, hopefully people will find it entertaining. Uh, right now, I think, it's, uh, I think the game may actually almost be full at this point. Um, so folks who may want to check in on that may want to look in quickly. But then people always drop out on the day, so you never know. Uh, but uh, just uh, should there be an interest in that, anyone coming by Mace, come and check it out and uh, cool. watch me uh, jump up and down and act silly for people. <laughs> he does do that. He's he's not being sarcastic. Um, I, can, I can't stop myself. It's a condition. Absolutely. Um, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I meant to I meant to mention that. So I'm I'm glad you didn't let me forget it. Um, <laughs> is there uh, going once, going twice on Numenera? Anything uh, MCG guys want to add on it? I mean, obviously, you're still spending a lot of time and attention on Numenera. There's plenty of stuff coming out. Um, the glimmers are an awesome opportunity to, to put small things out here and there. Um, any ideas for new glimmers coming down the pike? I've actually been well, working on one. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, um, you know, we, one of the, one of the real strengths of, a, of the glimmers is, is that we can, it, it allows us to listen to what the fans of the game and the players, people out actually playing the game want to see. And so, uh, what Bruce is referring to is a, a glimmer that he and I have co-written, um, probably slated for December, I think. It is slated for November. For, end no of November. for the end of November, actually. Cool. Um, and it's uh, going to be just a, a big collection of more ciphers for the game. Oh, very nice. Ooh. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, because that's the kind of thing that, that everyone seems to be saying they could use more of, so... How about 50 more? Awesome. Well, that's, that's, that's exactly, that's a, a great format for glimmers to be able to deliver that on demand, the style thing. So that's, that's great news. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and at the same time as the best Jerry, we'll have the creature deck, which is a, the Kickstarter um, stretch goal too. And that'll have a bunch of creatures from both the core book and the, the best Jerry in it uh, for GMs to use at the table. Perfect. Perfect. And I can totally see how a, uh, Numenera creature could fit on a card and be very useful to a GM. So yeah, I think so too. And that will include both creatures from the core book and some from the bestiary. So oh, sorry, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Never listens to me. It's okay. Are you what? Are you on the podcast? <laughs> That's good stuff. Now that Bruce and I have both been forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually on a second podcast. Uh, <laughs> He's double dipping now. It's, it's running parallel to yeah. this one. You're in a recursion, Bruce. Ah, that's right. Yes. Bruce, is there anything uh, about uh, adding to Numenera that you're especially excited about? 
Uh, no, I mean that, that, like I said before, the uh, the the best Jerry was just a wonderful first step into it, and yeah, Monty and I did work on some uh, tech related uh, the the cipher glimmers to begin with. So yeah, that that's all good stuff. Um, there's a lot of people on this podcast, so I I'm trying not to like you know step on people, I guess. Oh no no. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah, just do it, man. <laughs> I do. This is really excited about talking about the strange. <laughs> yes. Well, let's do that. Let's let's segue because I mean, it's awesome. You have this fantastic Kickstarter going right now, and it's for an all new game called The Strange. So let's start off. Somebody from MCG, give us the elevator pitch on The Strange. Uh, I will do that. Well, basically, the idea is that. Uh, you know, you're going to explore worlds that are hidden just outside of the regular reality we all exist in. Um, and you're going to take on new, you're going to remain yourself, but you can take on extra um, characteristics depending on the recursion you fall into. And uh, given enough success and time, you might even be able to create a recursion of your own. That's, the, that's the short, short and sweet version. Nice. All right. Um, well, let's get the, the longer version because um, <laughs> that just opens up all sorts of questions and funds and, and comments and stuff. So um, so there are three main kind of starting places in the game, right? There's Earth, uh, Arden, and Ruck. Am I pronouncing those all correct? Uh, Rook. Rook. That's how Sorry. we usually say it, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, may, mainly you will. So I imagine a lot of people will begin on Earth itself because that just kind of lends itself as a great starting point because we're all on Earth. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that uh, the narrative uh, people on Earth have discovered the strange, I imagine your characters can kind of be introduced to that as well. It's not necessary. It's, it's not It's not a requirement that you begin on Earth, but it's certainly really easy. And Earth is is a real world. It exists in reality. And, uh, the two recursions are the two recursions that we've actually focused most on so far are Arden and Rook. And, um, yeah, you can, uh, those, those are the places where because of the, of their significance, uh, they actually have a lot of entanglements with earth and, and with each other, I would imagine. So. Very nice. So, all right. So, well, the nice thing is, is as you said, there could be multiple recursions. So this gives you the the growth space to do more than just uh, Earth and the two that, that we know of at this point, right? And plus, I, I'm very interested to hear how, how you describe and how you uh, train a player to, to create their own. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, the, the strange itself, the, the strange is is sort of this ancient alien data network that not very many people, at least on Earth, know even exists. And so the recursions are these... We've, we've discovered that because it's it's this place for hosting data, basically, um, It and, and, and then really that's all a, a universe is in its most basic form is just data... Um, it means that this is a place that can host entirely different worlds of different sizes. And, and so, yeah, like Bruce said, we've got Arden and, and Rook, but there are other ones too. And some of those could just be created almost inadvertently call uh, fictional leakage. 
And what this means is, is that something from our own world that starts as a fictional thing, a novel or a movie or, or a legend or whatever. Or a myth. A myth could, could take root in the strange without anybody here even knowing about it, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you start exploring this weird otherworldly place called the strange, you can come upon you know, who knows, right? All these sorts of things. But that also means that as a game master, you know, if we're talking about playing this as a role-playing game, the game master can take and create, you know, his or her favorite settings and just plop them down in whole or part uh, right in the strange. And, you know, whether that be, you know, Moss Eisley spaceport or, you know, their, their own world, their own, uh, setting. Very nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, one, one of my favorite, uh, RPGs from the past was the Amber Diceless game. And, uh, when I was, when, when I started reading about the strange, I was like, Oh my God, they're actually doing something like this now. And it, I, I thought that was awesome. Certainly there are some parallels, uh, uh, that was more of a actually to yeah. use the word parallel. That was more of a parallel world, parallel world, one upon the other. And the strange isn't that. Uh, it uh, there the recursions are very specific to specifically either specifically created recursions such as Arden and probably Rook, although we don't know for certain. Although it had a very specific purpose after the fact, um, or specifically created in the sense that they came from a particular story or myth or or movie or novel if if uh if yeah. the person uh the creative energy behind it was uh, uh powerful enough to uh to set it to seed it into the strange i actually i should have more specified i'm just pleased that you're you're doing more like it, that it's like an, an alternate reality type gig basically it's that's very cool oh i figured you you got it i just wanted to say for some oh. of our listeners <laughs> for those of us who might not understand <laughs> yeah wow that's um that's strange um so, I'm sorry. I had to at least once during the show. <laughs> I don't have the wah wah. I think yeah. we'll be making that joke. <laughs> Sound effect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you get one. Okay. <laughs> oh, I've done it. I've used it. So, <laughs> so early uh, on too. Cherish it as long as you can, sir. <laughs> so the Kickstarter's going fantastic, and and for you guys because just the way you did with Numenera, uh, this. Stretch goals are amazing and add so much to the game, and you're really building a product line for more than a year out of this. So, you know, you start it with the core book. Uh, we've got a player's guide. Will the player's guide be similar to the Numenera one? Right, except I think it'll be a little bit larger. Okay, hmm. but but it'll be basically a, a subset of context from the core book that people can buy in cheaper and use at the table uh, more easily during gameplay? Absolutely. Okay. We're actually going to add some things that people said that they wish they'd had in the Player's Guide for Numenera. Oh, good. Uh, and so that's why it's going to be a little bit longer. It's going to be mm-hmm. a little bit more comprehensive, but still within a decent price point for people. Excellent. 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 Um, and then we get into the Dark Spiral. Um, talk, talk to us about that. Uh, obviously, an adventure. Right. Um, you know, uh, we're we're kind of intentionally following the the successful Numenera model. So um, the first major support product will be, you know, a 96-page adventure, probably set up at least somewhat like The Devil's Spine with mm-hmm. 
adventures that can be used individually as well as, you know, linked together to form a kind of a campaign. And, and, you know, it will not surprisingly, um, you know, be a really good introduction to the idea of moving from between these worlds, which mm-hmm. we call recursions, right? So uh, you can expect uh, the Dark Spiral to involve, you know, Earth and Arden and Rook um, and, and to really sh- kind of showcase that it's it's sort of our intention that while you can play the Strange and just go to Arden and have a epic fantasy adventure and then leave and go back to earth and have a modern day adventure. You can also blend these two things together and have a single scenario that spans multiple different worlds. And therefore, you know, in it to use kind of a, a, a different term, you know, to almost have one scenario that spans multiple genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think what really excites us as creators or one of the many ideas that really excites us as creators um, because you can you can create so many layers that way, and for for fans of of the cipher system for of the game system behind Numenera, um, which the strange you know uses, it will be fully compatible with Numenera. It uses the exact same game system. Mm-hmm. But one of the really cool things that I think people will like is that you're well, just like in Numenera, you've got a descriptor, a type, and a focus. Uh, your descriptor and your type will always remain the same, but your focus depends on what recursion you are in or what world you're in. Nice. And that's part of the intricate nature of, of spanning different worlds in one scenario. You might decide, well, I need to go to Arden because on Arden I can cast this particular spell which will really help us and do this thing that we need to do but then we need to go back to earth because that's where i can hack into the cia data frame or you know mainframe and get the data we need to complete the adventure very cool yeah um and and i should note i mean uh you know brandon you talked about having been up in Asheville. Um, we did get to witness uh, uh, Monty and Shauna in action um, leading some Numenera games and actually participate in them uh, when you were doing one of your uh, retailer, ultimate retailer uh, uh, stints right, um, at the Wavern's Tale, Tale, which I can now correctly say their name, not like I had in the past. But um, it, that was fantastic. And we got to talk with Monty and, and Shauna a little bit about this game and um, obviously head over heels about this. Um Brandon, was there anything in particular that stood out to you that that got you as excited about it? Um, well, when we just heard about the fact that it was like, okay, so it's like these different you know, realities that you're going to be able to jump through. And uh, Monty, you're just talking about um, having an adventure that spans across them. And I think I even mentioned this back then. Uh, it was just that the later seasons of Fringe, where you had all of these, you know, jumping between worlds and you had all this buildup and everything. And so you have this whole idea of being able to, you know, jump across and an adventure goes from one area back to another. And, you know, that, that just captured my imagination when you started talking about it. So that I think is going to be the, the key potential for like a really cool, you know, adventure in this setting is that not just focusing on one recursion, but using all of them. Um, well, and as as Monty, as you said, you know, being able to pull in your own references or even your own worlds uh, to be part of this bigger picture in this puzzle, I think could be a lot of fun, um, especially, you know, and one thing I think to point out is if 
GMs are creating their own worlds that are their own recursions and part of this. That also means that they have the ability to offer their own foci. I would uh, imagine. Um, I was just going to. I was just going to say our kind of our tagline that we kind of come about with is explore, defend, and create, and that's um, exactly one of the most exciting things, not only for the DMs, GMs, excuse mm-hmm. me, who are creating their own worlds, but a, who and then would you know be able to create some foci that go with our world, but a player if they're so. Uh, wish to do so could you know with their other with the help of their friends could seed their own recursion in and at first of course it will probably be kind of small but the more energy and effort they put into it the more they are kind of taking on miniature gm roles themselves in a way by by tending to this world and that's uh, for a lot of people also very very exciting that they can kind of take a hand in uh, the creation of, of a brand new place Absolutely. So would would it be wrong to assume that somewhere in the rules you help GMs figure out how to um, uh, work their, their end of it into the cipher system? No, they're on their own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Very much so. We will we, – I mean, some, some of the things that we've already started talking about is how we can, um, how we can make that sort of uh, – uh, what what are the uh, parameters that, that would exist across all recursions so that if someone if a GM were to start creating a recursion or a player uh, to create a mini recursion what 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 were the what were the things they need to fill out so to speak to say that means something to other GMs and other players? Well, I mean, I obviously have to say in, in most of the work I've seen from from you, especially Monty, um, the amount of work that you do to help arm the GM with the tools they need and the advice they need on how to run good campaigns is really critical. And so I think in this game, when you're setting them up so well to have the tools to do this, um, it's really going to be a fun game to play. We certainly hope so. Um, you know, it, I think more than, than Numenera game masters will find the strange, to be a little bit easier to jump into because even though the strange is this big weird concept like bruce was saying you know if you want to you can just start on modern day earth mm-hmm. and you know we all kind of understand that campaign setting because mm-hmm. we all live here mm-hmm. um you know well, so, uh, except uh, jim except jim yeah <laughs> i was gonna say not not all of us not all of us <laughs> most of us <laughs> i commute <laughs> so he takes the bus you know, you, with Numenera, you kind of have to start off right in the middle of the weird, which, you know, I love, of course, but mm-hmm. the strange can, you know, get stranger as you go along. You mm-hmm. don't have to, you know, you can start out and be pretty uh, manageable and pretty, you know, you're not, you're not just leaping into the deep end right away with the strange necessarily. But, you know, on the other hand, though, you can, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you could just start things off in Arden or Rook or mm-hmm. something like that. And, well, and you guys have talked about um, in some of your updates about the groups on Earth that are aware of the strange and, you know, that they're – I get the hints of some political potential play between those groups. Oh, very much so. There's there's certainly interaction to some extent and, and probably some, you know, cooperation sometimes and mm-hmm. probably some uh, – uh, competition, and then in some of those cases, as you probably read, there's it's just outright rivalry. Sure, 
Sure. I, I definitely get, I could see how someone could pull someone into the game by, you know, in that modern earth setting, almost pulling a, a Morpheus Neo yeah. scene from the matrix of <laughs> what you think, you know, you don't really know. And, and then it goes up, you know, you guys crank it up to 11 as always. So, um, I think one of the fun things about playing the strange on earth, you know, those sort of episodes while you're on earth will be that, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be very conspiracy oriented and, and it, there'll be some real opportunity for some horror role playing because, you know, if you think about it, right. Uh, it, you go to Arden and you encounter like these weird monsters because it's a, it's an epic fantasy world. And that feels you know, about right for that. But now imagine some of those things, you know, making their way to earth. And suddenly you've got a very different, even though you're dealing with quote unquote, the same creature, um, you know, it's, it's going to take on a very different feel um, and, 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 and be a very different kind of encounter or adventure on earth. So I'm, I'm excited about that aspect of it as well, because I'm a big fan of, of, horror role playing and conspiracy stuff and all that kind of thing. Well, that's a, that's a great segue. Um, you mentioned that, um, uh, the, you know, the focus of the game in Numenera is exploration, which is very different from a lot of the RPG games that are out there. And they're, they're much more, uh, you know, skull bashing. Um, there, I mean, there's plenty of other story driven games out there. I'm not, I'm not saying that Numenera stands among its own, but, the focus is on exploration here. What would you say is the, the focus? Well, go ahead, Bruce. Um, uh, I was going to say that I, I think that it would be difficult for the strange to say that there is a particular focus, um, but exploration is very strong. Uh, um, the, the conspiracy and defense, uh, I, I would actually put it to the three things that we, that we describe as, you know, exploration. I mean, defense, I guess, is kind of skull bashing, but you can, however you want to get around that, and then creation yourself. So those, those I, I couldn't bring it down to one. Those are the three that I would say top the list. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So, sounds like it's going to be laced a lot with intrigue. Actually, and that sounds very cool. Yeah, I, yeah. Like Monty, like Monty was just saying. I mean, when you're when you're on the Earth and you have these these uh, interests from Rook uh, that are actually there's a couple different interests from Rook which are diametrically opposed from each other, and they're both trying to uh, create some sort of uh, power base on Earth. And then you have people from Arden probably uh, doing the same thing. There's uh, an entity there called the Betrayer who has a, a different interest on Earth, which is at odds with Earth's future uh, prosperity. Um, there's certainly a lot of possibility for intrigue. I mean, and it goes like, you know, in modern day, we have a lot of conspiracy theories about, oh, you know, there's some big oil company doing X and, you know, some, you know, the Illuminati doing Y. But in, in The Strange, of course, it'll be like, and they're real. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're much worse than you, than you ever imagined and stranger. <laughs> um, well, your updates have been doing a great job painting the picture of, of this world. And I think that the, the big reveal about Arden and its origin, talk about that for someone who hasn't read the update. Cause that's pretty, pretty stellar. Um, okay. Um, the, uh, basically the update 
described, uh, it started off with a description of, hey, what's dark energy? Most people know dark energy as the force that is responsible for accelerating the expansion of the universe. And, but, of course, it turns out, uh, as uh, uh, this researcher, this group of researchers discovered, that dark energy is actually uh, an alien data network. It's an artifact uh, of the it was built by this alien civilization, you know, right after the Big Bang, uh, and we don't actually go into why they built it, although there, there is a reason. But it got out of control, and uh, has been, you know, one of the one of the aspects of it is it's been accelerating the expansion of the universe, as I said. But um, it's uh, it's 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 uh, sorry. So anyway, and so it's got out of control, and what. That partly means is these planetivores have kind of taken up um, uh, life within within this in, this vast network, and uh, for various reasons they want planets in the real world, the world of real matter called baryonic matter, <laughs> uh, but we'll just call it real real matter, and. Um, Various uh, civilizations across the universe, when they start messing around with quantum computing or high-energy um, uh, particle physics, uh, end up pinging this network, and ding, 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 it's like dinner time for the planetivores, and they're usually, uh, they're usually uh, destroyed. Yeah. Um, however, because Earth has a, a special quality which we haven't gotten into, um, we have already hosted recursions. But along comes these researchers who... Uh, ping the network in just the right way to get these creatures' attention, and uh, Earth is left naked. And in, because of the, because this particular person, whose name is Carter Morrison, uh, was in the right place at the right time, they uh, he was able to uh, drop down this fully set, fully realized set of rules into this chaos that is the strange, and basically fence out uh, these entities of 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 the strange that would have otherwise essentially consumed earth. That's not exactly what they would have done, but we can call it that for now. Mm. And so the existence of Arden very much, uh, it, it's rules. Uh, and actually Arden has seven rules of existence, which were germane to it beforehand as a game, uh, work exceedingly well, uh, to, uh, to keep, keep earth safe and, and the only way creatures can come through Arden is if someone on the inside were to allow or make deals uh, uh, with creatures from the outside, which unfortunately is what the betrayer yeah. has has done on occasion. Very nice. And we see a lot of uh, uh, Anubis-style creatures with Arden. Are all the creatures in Arden? No. Um, there are there are humans uh, living in Arden and and other creatures, but within the within the world of Arden, uh, within the mythology of Arden, there was something called Lotan the Cursed, who was an evil god that was imprisoned, and this evil god who was imprisoned had various uh, jailers essentially, which were these seven incarnations, and each incarnation had angels or angelic beings to help help that particular incarnation deal with that particular rule. And these, these Kephalim, these Anubis-style beings, are those angelic beings. Long way, long way around of saying, yes, they, they, are, they were descended from angelic beings. However, now they, for the most part, they are equal of mortals because the incarnations uh, they also uh, once served have either disappeared, have been killed, or otherwise missing. 
Excellent. Yeah, you've, you've seen those guys because we've got an amazing uh, concept artist working with us, Matt Stowicki, that oh, yeah. he would do a kick-ass job of depicting those, and he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but you'll see lots of lots more cool art coming down the line um, for different creatures and, and inhabitants of Arden and, and the other places as well. Very cool. We also wanted to give people an idea of the difference, right? So that, that image that you see, that kind of iconic image we've showing that has the, the female from Earth and then mm-hmm. it has the other two characters, that's actually potentially the same character. Mm-hmm. That's just their different incarnations on the different mm-hmm. recursions. And so mm-hmm. we really wanted to illustrate kind of what your options were. Um, and, and that's just the beginning of, of all of the things that you can be. And, and that is that is an awesome call out because I, I, I thought that that's where you were going with that and – um, to, to spell that out. That's pretty awesome. Um, uh, I think people are going to like that kind of modular nature and, you know, with as many people that in other games that I've seen like to tinker and tweak and try different things out, this allows you to kind of try on some different suits and, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And then real quick on the the Rook, the origin of the Rook, um, give us a little bit on that. Um, well, Rook is a recursion that uh, wasn't it, – its origin doesn't lie on Earth. It's actually older than Earth. Um, it was a recursion created by an alien race that were trying to escape those planetivores that Bruce was mentioning. Mm-hmm. And so Rook kind of actually started out more like a gigantic vehicle, uh, to use a weird word, than anything. A, a, an escape pod, if you will. Um from this world that that kind of got caught up in the the shoals around earth uh, and so now it's in a in a weird way sort of a shipwreck um that kind of lies on the shores of earth and it's filled with these creatures that uh they're they're very different from earth humans but because they have a lot of skill in in technology particularly biotechnology uh, they can make themselves look like humans if they want to uh, through some. They're not shape changers, but but they can kind of alter their their structure, um, you know, through through technology. And anyway, um, uh, one of the things that we've discovered is that they have actually been coming to Earth for a very long time in human guise, and maybe manipulating events uh, for their own agendas. Absolutely. Uh, any questions from the peanut gallery? <laughs> no, I've I've just been busy fighting off the mutant peanuts. Ah, nice. I actually did have a uh, question related to the how the, the focus changes when you go from recursion to recursion. Okay. Um, is that something that the players decide on, like which re- which focus they're going to have on each recursion? Is this something they make it character creation, or how does that going to work? So we haven't nailed down this, but it's some, something that we've been thinking about um, how that would actually work. At least I've, I've been thinking about it. And um, I think that there's a possibility. It can be possible in a lot of different ways, but when I don't think it's a good idea that you would nail it down when you create your character uh, because you don't know what recursion you're going to end up going to, so there's no way you can create all your different foci. So in a way, for some, for some of these recursions, when you go to a different uh, focus, excuse me, when you go to a different recursion, um, you will probably have the option of 
choosing as you go in, or we could even, you know, for a particular optional set of rules, we could have it be a random roll, right? You could say, oh, you've, you've ended up in this new recursion. You didn't expect to be here. Suddenly you're a, uh, you know, a rugged vector who, um, Know, who can shoot beams from from her eyes or something like that? Or like, well, that's weird. And then you maybe you will have the option to uh, solidify that or to actually choose your 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 permanent uh, uh, foci for that particular recursion. But um, this is something that Monty and I and Shauna haven't actually all talked about. This is just some thoughts that I've had in my head. So, what do you think? Um, I'm thinking. That it definitely, I wouldn't want to have to like, all right, let's have a spot on the character sheet for all the recursions you're going to have. And let's write down your focus for each one yeah. of them. It's like, that doesn't seem right. So that doesn't sound very fun. Um, I'd, I'd really much more, I'd almost want it to be something that, all right, the GM, you like, you go, all right, you're going into this recursion. And I like the idea of almost like a random role. And then maybe that, like you're saying, and then you, they can maybe, if they're there for a while, maybe they have some way of, locking it in or changing it. I think that yeah. actually sounds really cool. Cool. I like it. Yeah, I agree. Because I, th I think otherwise you would be sitting there. It would almost be like doing character creation again. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, here's yeah. all here's all the foci for this recursion. And then everyone sits down for another hour and reads all I of know. them and be like, oh, I want this one. <laughs> Slows yeah. you down, yeah. Yeah, kind of the opposite effect. Yeah. Like you're going into this new place. Everyone pull out your books and do some, do some <laughs> yeah. character creation. Yep. Well, that's, that's great, though, if you're getting people to more make these adaptations to their characters sort of more organically. That's uh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Becomes yeah. once again more about discovery, which is uh, which is I think re uh, really cool to keep that as one of the focuses, foci, whatever the whatever the Latin appropriate word is right now. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I find interesting about it is that having all right, here's a whole bunch of, of these that are going to be specific to each recursion that does make it a little bit more, I guess, prep work involved for the person creating the new recursion. Like if they want to go off away from the two that are just going to be described in the book, then you have to go, all right, well, now let me, let me pull out some actual you know game design stuff. So, so, so there's probably a couple different ways that we will handle that, um, I'm imagining, and that is that um, some re some foci will probably be um, retained between different recursions, I can imagine. Um, and there will probably be some sample foci that we can say, hey, making up a new recursion? You know, look at these. You know, these, these are, these are, um, these particular ones are kind of themed this way and these particular foci are kind of themed this way and that would allow, that would give the GM tools in the toolbox, you know, nice. right out of the gate to, you know, and, and if we were talking about, you know, rolling on a table, maybe we'll have some tables already pre-generated. Well, and as you said, you know, if, if there are some that are shared between recursions, you would still change your characters. You wouldn't keep the same one if you're going from recursion to recursion. Um, well, I guess you could. You, you but... will keep the same character. It's just the focus that will be. Changed. No, that's what I meant. The, the the focus, if if the focus is acceptable on Earth and on Arden, when you translate to Arden, you would change your foci, even if it's in the group. Available? Well, one of the things that we're we're kind of getting away from a little bit is that, um, you know, while while it's it's cool me mechanically that your focus changes, mm -hmm. what's what's what we're actually replicating in the story is that you you move into a different body right sure. you are you are in a different form so mm. you 
you your character mechanically can change as much or as little as you want it to um but you you know if you want to stay the the burly fighter type you can stay the burly fighter type that might express itself differently in art or rook but uh you know you can you know like like shauna was saying right that that picture that we have on the kickstarter of the three characters right that's the same character each time so you Mm -hmm. can actually change yourself quite a bit um and and a lot of those changes can be story-wise right um and not not just mechanics very cool well and 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 your type is very much who you are training wise your descriptor is very much who you are personality wise whereas your focus is more you know your power your i mean if you're playing a superheroes game it's your superpower it's 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 what makes you unique um, right so right. I, I, and because of that you know there won't be i don't think there will be a lot of foci for example that do translate from world to world so you know your earth foci is going to be very specific to things like computers or guns or you know things that are in earth and so when you translate to some place like rook which is full of you know all this biological cool you know stuff that you actually have as part of your body your computer focus isn't going to do you any good and so I don't think that, you know, part of that is not just that they will change, but that they should change, right? Mm-hmm. They should be really geared toward the place where you end up. Right. Because the, the idea is, is that you're not, you're, you're actually translating. I mean, that's what we call it when you move from world to world, you're translating. So it's not like it's, you're not, it's less of a fish out of water sort of situation then you get in some of these world hopping sort of situations. You are actually becoming a person that is a part of the world. Um, you may not have all the knowledge, um, but you you have the the essence of of something and someone from that world. So like you can become, you know, like the the Keflin that Bruce was talking about. You can go to Arden and not just encounter them, but become one of them. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So we get this win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 extremely excited. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks to thanks to Kickstarter backers, uh we are getting it uh next summer. There you go. Yay! Uh, the- Yay! <laughs> Kickstarter is is funded. In fact, we are at uh about three times our funding now and, and we're very, very grateful to all of our supporters. Um, you know, it uh, you know, we had a lot of success and we're very uh, grateful for that success in Numenera. Um, and we're, we're having, you know, a, a similar sort of uh, amount of success with, with the strange. And, you know, we've like with Numenera, um, you know, the more supporters that we get, uh, the, the better the line will become and the more things backers will get, you know, because we're adding things on with stretch goals. So, uh, you know, tell your friends. Absolutely. And yes, I mean, the, the Kickstarter is going, it's going gangbusters. You did an amazing first day and, and you've continued that streak going through and, and, uh, trending fantastically. Uh, the, the next stretch goal we're about to hit, like probably any moment now is the poster maps, which, um, from everything I've seen, uh, if they, follow in line with the same quality and um, some of the art. Do you, do you have cartographers on board or is that even germane to this setting? Um, we, we, don't have, uh, we don't have that nailed down, um, okay. but what we, what we do know is that um, 
you know, we, we kind of wanted to take the, the Numenera poster map a step further. So this one will be double sided. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, we haven't nailed down exactly what it's going to be, but uh, the obvious choice would be Arden on one side and Rook on the other. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're, oh, and, and I, I want to plug too. Um, the Numenera, I'm sorry, the, the Strange Kickstarter has, uh, the way we've taken the, the various rewards that backers get is we divided them up into packages and kits. And so we have something called the Fan Kit, which has uh, a lot of cool stuff in it. And... If we reach the stretch goal, which, like you said, David, we're, mm -hmm. we're pretty close to at this point. We're just a few dollars away, actually. Yeah, um, I just looked it up. $577 currently. So Cool. I have uh, it open here as we're talking. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're going to stick one of the – we're going to stick an extra poster map mm -hmm. into the fan kit. So mm -hmm. that if you get a core book and a fan kit, you know, you could be referencing both sides of, the, of it at once. Or you can hang up one on your wall and use one in the game. You know, anything you want to do. Right, and I, I I did want to talk about those packages because or the kits because that to me is an ideal way for you know let's face it when when you guys were rolling out the Numenera stuff there were so many permutations that there were I'm sure that did not help things to get them correct to everybody and you know out the door as quickly as possible this is so logical that it gives the most value to people but also says this is what you're going to get and as things get added on they'll get added on to these kits so if you're funding at a level that gets these kits that's what you'll get uh fantastic idea guys i think it's a great way to deliver the most value to the the, the backers um at the different levels uh i like it a lot Thanks. We, we, we learned a lot from the Numenera Kickstarter. Um, as our COO, Charles, is, is fond of mentioning, you know, we, we just got done this summer fulfilling basically the, the largest and most complex RPG Kickstarter that's ever so far fulfilled. Um, and, you know, he loves to quote all the thousands of different permutations. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just it got very complex. And, you know, and part of that was because, you know, we started Numenera out not having really any idea how big it was going to get. Mm -hmm. um, we learned a lot from that and from that fulfillment. And, and yes, the, the packages and the kits, we hope, make things a lot easier both on our end and, you know, on, on the backer's end so that they can – it's very clear, oh, I'm getting, you know, this and this and everything you know, in the nice little picture. Uh, that's, that's what I'm getting. Very nice. And and your Kickstarter is laid out very nice. It's very well easy to follow and understand um, what what all the permutations are, the rewards uh, with the backer levels. Uh, you guys have given just about every option somebody can get. But by still doing those kits allows it to uh, streamline very much so the, um, you know, the method for, for getting it out uh, efficiently. So that's awesome. One of the things that we had uh, a lot of comments about with the Numenera Kickstarter was that there, if you wanted to just get all of the books that came out of that Kickstarter and you wanted to get them all in print, it was actually a, a quite a complex process uh, because you had to take them all individually as add-ons mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. figure out all the different permutations and the shipping and everything. And, and now it's just mm -hmm. a backer level. Right? Sure. You just, you just get everything in print. Boom. Well, and, and it's, 
you guys now know the scope of what this could be. I mean, you guys were, were definitely pioneers and, and out ahead of a lot of things for the Kickstarter. And you did accomplish so much with the Numeria one. I, I Obviously, you can see how much you guys have learned from it and how it's benefiting the, the backer to be as clear an option as possible. That makes me happy. The only thing is I have to now rob a bank. Because <laughs> wow, you guys have some fantastic. Yeah, no things kidding. Here, uh, things. It's not a. It's not a negative comment. Have. Obviously, this stuff is, you know, spread out well over a year. So I mean, it's it's literally getting set for a year on a lot of these things, and uh, that's great. And of course, the stuff will be coming to retailers because you know, you guys have you know done a great job building your uh, and maintaining your your retailer uh, relationship. So. That you know, no fear there, but but you know, don't miss out because these are good deals when you look at them, break them down on a per item basis for sure. And they're only going to get better the more backers you have, right? Exactly, exactly. That's that's the idea. You know, we're hopefully rewarding those backers who are out there helping us spread the word because mm. they're they're just going to get more and more for their pledge. Mm. Um, you know, they, you don't have to kick in. You know, once you once you kick in at the you know level that just gets you. You know, whatever. If you like eBooks, right? You can just click in at, at the all the eBooks level, and and that's it. You're done, right? And and the more we add, the more you get. So so let's assume when this one goes to um goes to I guess air or whenever people can download it, um that we've already passed the post poster map um one because that's going to happen any moment now. Uh, the next one up, the recursion book. Talk to us about that. Well, essentially, the recursion book is going to be the opportunity, as we said before, that uh, the main book will probably cover a lot on Arden and Rook and, you know, some many various other recursions. But the recursion book will really be an opportunity for us to, you know, really go crazy and uh, go further into subsystems on recursions if we need to, go into further foci, create other recursions that we want to have around earth and even and then possibly even you know go out into the strange a bit and find maybe i don't know maybe recursions mm -hmm. around a few close worlds you know, hard to say so it's, it's really an opportunity to explore cool. even even for ourselves it should be very exciting and, and i should go back you've already gotten added on the player's kit the character generator the bestiary the paradox room your your um, short stories um and the xp cards so now the poster map is next and the recursion book is after that. But it looks like you guys have plans for more. <laughs> we do. Come we on, do. don't hold back. Give us something. Give us something you know, that we can You know and I'm 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 feel bad if I don't also mention since this is a podcast directed at Numenera fans that mm -hmm. you know all of this stuff will be useful for your Numenera games too, right? The whole bestiary uh, will be filled with weird creatures mm -hmm. that you could just plunk down right into the ninth world and, and all the stats will be the same and uh, totally useful. Certainly. Mm -hmm. And there, there's been a lot of discussion on that on the different boards about, you know, how compatible these games are and, you know, should these be looked at as, you know, cohesive or, or part and parcel? Um, you know, what's your, what's your guys take on that? You know, bits and pieces could be shared between them. How do they mesh? Well, mechanically they will mesh perfectly. Mm -hmm. um, because we're we're pretty happy with the cipher system, and we're pretty happy with how well the strange is fitting into it. Um, you know, officially, they're two separate games and they're two separate settings. Um, but that doesn't mean that a Numenera GM can't 
you know, with some time travel, send his players back in time to modern day Earth or, you know, mm-hmm. or through a weird interdimensional gate and have them end up in Arden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also means that the strange, you know, a strange GM could uh, make Numenera a recursion of its own. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just know there are going to be folks out there getting ready to uh, smash these two games together into a, a beautiful, strange Numenera jambalaya. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds tasty to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, excellent. Um, anything else you guys want to add about the strange that you think, um, you know, people need to pay attention to or, or you know, um, of course you have the How Strange Are You quiz, which is really, you know, a fantastic way to kind of, show people some of what these these main um areas are, are about and and um that was a, that was a cool little um uh app that you guys had for that but what you know what else what else should people be you know looking out for for the strange well i would say this week uh keep an eye on the kickstarter because we're going to showcase some of the finished pieces from matt stowicki nice uh, and they are just amazing yeah. he is just blowing jaw dropping we're super excited. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I had to supplant my Numenera wallpapers on my computers with the <laughs> the strange one because it's oh, just gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll come back. It'll come back. I promise. Oh no, yeah, it is. They're both. They're all awesome. It's yeah, all yeah. awesome. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I interrupted. We're gonna uh, we're gonna continue to showcase uh, more of the strange. There's there's more setting details that we can kind of drop. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, showcase what some of the, you know, the game mechanics look like. Um, and, and by that, I just mean, you know, descriptors and foci. And, and we're going to you know, talk a little bit more about the three character types because the game has different character types than Numenera does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I would just tell people, you know, there's still like three and a half weeks left in this Kickstarter. There's a lot to go. And... Uh, we have all kinds of cool stretch goals planned. Would you guys say you're further along than you were in the Numenera one at this point or about the same or, I mean, not, not money wise, but I mean, the amount of reveals, the amount of stuff that you've added on, I mean, does this have the, the, the legs you think to, to add on even more than the initial Numenera Kickstarter did? Well, it's important to note that we actually started this one well ahead of where we started, you know, Mm-hmm. Numenera originally was supposed to be uh, a much smaller black and white book, and that was supposed to be it. Mm-hmm. And and there was the player's guide was going to be ebook only. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and look what it grew into. Well, The Strange <laughs> started out at exactly the same size as Numenera, four hundred sixteen pages, full color art, and we. All, you know, already started out with a uh, a print player's guide, and we started out with the adventure, right? Mm-hmm. None of those were stretch goals. That was just part of the initial offering. So it's a little bit hard to compare, but you know, we we did that because we just we knew we knew that you know with Numenera and what the kind of book that we could create, we knew that we'd be shortchanging the strange to even suggest that we would do anything less. Right. Very nice. Very nice. Um, well, I can't. I can't wait to see the the stuff coming along. And obviously, we'll we'll try and check in with you guys again. And actually, uh, we have a big reveal of our own. And and you guys are aware of this, but um, our audience is not yet. 
Um, one of the main reasons why Brandon has joined us on this um, episode is that uh, Brandon and I have been talking and, and with the help from uh, on occasion from Jim and Eric, uh, we are going to produce a new show um, that we are going to be called Translating the Strange. Yay! So, um, and we hope to uh, work on a recording of that within the next two weeks. Um, uh, obviously, Brandon and I have to coordinate schedules and then, you know, see yep. if we can get anybody from uh, MCG on because certainly, uh, well, hopefully you'll still be in the midst of the Kickstarter when we get that. And we certainly would like to talk about what more has been revealed between now and then. So, um, uh, I hope you guys will keep a lookout for that and tune in on that. Uh, we also do have a fan site already. Um, it's called the strange place.com. Um, and that was actually started before the reveal, uh, uh, as you guys started sneaking out little bits and tidbits about it here and there, we, uh, we fed on that and, uh, um, you know, ask people to buy into and figure out what they thought it was. And you'd be surprised how many people were pretty close to the truth on, uh, what their expectations were as far as that it was going to be a new Kickstarter for a new cipher system game. So that was pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was really interesting watching people like guessing at what the, all the, what it all meant, kind of having some inside information and going, Oh yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so uh, please join us on there, um, and uh, we'll help to develop that community up more and more. Um, uh, we're kind of we've been t- playing around and testing with the site, so it may um, evolve considerably um, in the next uh, few bits. So, um, glad to support the game, and we're super excited about it. And obviously, Numenera continues going strong, and and obviously one of my favorite games ever. So. Um, look forward to seeing more and more of the stuff that you're talking about because um, you guys are really um, knocking it out of the ballpark with the, the quality of games you guys have, have been putting out. So can't wait to see the strange. Well, thank you. And, and we really appreciate all of your support. Um, it's, it's been great. Uh, and, you know, and I, I guess I also want to just mention just for all the Numenera fans out there. I mean, even though we've just spent the last, whatever, half an hour, 45 minutes talking about the strange, uh, Numenera is still going very, very strong, and in fact, we are adding new products to that product line as well. It's it's a very exciting time for Monty Cook Games. Very cool. I, I, I uh, yeah. Okay, so um, that's great news. <laughs> great news to hear. I, I get it just that. means that so. David and myself are going to have to learn how to print off like credit card re- uh, receipts and stuff, so that our we can hand them to our wives and say, "Oh, look, no, we're we're okay. <laughs> we're, all, we're all good." Yeah, we got this well managed. Yeah, I'll just read their books. That's right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just come over and look over their shoulder. Um, so as um, as we, you know, obviously we've talked about this time and time again on our show. We've we've created a segment called "Kicking It Forward" because Numenera was funded so successfully through Kickstarter, and now the Strange is funding so successfully through Kickstarter. So we like to share, um, you know different Kickstarters in the RPG realm with folks. So if you guys don't mind, we're going to dip into that real quick. Um, obviously the strange is the, the forefront. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while now. And, and uh, you know, anyone who has not contributed, who's a fan of Numenera, I think, think you'd be short selling yourself if you don't, uh, um, you know, kick in and, and back it. Yeah. Go, go back in there right now. If you haven't. Yep. <laughs> Back now, back now. Um, and there's a couple other really strong ones out there. Dragon Kings is out there. Um, I know uh, friends of you guys in that. Yes. Yes. Um, 
the the guy behind Dragon Kings is is Tim Brown, who uh, was actually the guy who hired me at TSR. And uh, oh, so Tim cool. and I go way back. Oh, wow. And uh, I'm very excited about Dragon Kings, um, uh, just for for so many reasons, right? He's uh, he's a great game designer. Um, he's got Brom on board doing some mm-hmm. artwork. Uh, and, you know, Tim is also a great musician. In fact, that's what he's been doing like the last 15 years is working as a professional musician. So he's going to have uh, some amazing music to go along with this game, too, which is a very original and cool take. Right. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, ha- I hadn't heard of that one before. I've got to go look at a new Kickstarter. Yeah, they're they're calling it the spiritual successor to Dark Sun. So. There's lots of spiritual successors out there coming from the good designer of Dark Sun. Say again? I believe he was the original designer of Dark Sun. Right, right. He is well-suited to be the uh, spiritual successor writer. (laughs) Very excited for that one. (laughs) Cool, cool. Um, What else? uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this one because I'm terrible with uh, uh, Wuxia stuff. Uh, Tanshia? Yep. There There we go. Um, a new uh, uh, fate um, game that that looks uh, pretty awesome. Somebody else want to speak to it? Because I'm not just bumbling over it. No, no. Okay, I'm just in bumb- silence. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't have it's a. Up, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a. It's it's just like a fantasy, uh, and I can't pronounce Wuxa either. But it's mm-hmm. it's basically if you're looking to do martial arts in fate, it would be. Uh, it would be a great way to go, and it's it's going to be put out by Vigilance Press, who who actually has gotten a couple really nice things out there. So I uh, I'm, I'm a backer of it, and it it looks like it's going to the art is really well done. It's 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 a nice cartoon esque. It looks a lot like uh, uh, the Last Airbender kind of art. So um, it really it really is a, a nice looking. They, they even have a. Uh, and sorry, I'm all over the place here, but they have the beta. If you join up, you get like a beta book of it, and it's like fully full art, fully laid out, ready to go almost. And it's a beautiful looking book. Excellent, excellent. What are some of the other ones? You you have a bunch of American. Uh, yeah, actually, there's a couple of them that I'm following. I I'm not necessarily sold into all of them yet, but they're uh, ones that I'm looking at. And another one is called Eldritch RPG, the revised edition. Um, Eldritch is an older game that's been around for a little while and um, it's got some nice art uh, it's one of the things that really sells me on these things is art uh, I'm a huge huge art fan so when I see nice art I just drool over your kickstarters and stuff so hey <laughs> the more art you can put on there I probably will uh, earn my money um, but it's, it looks like it'll be a good one um, and you know we really cannot uh I, I I have to say it. Adventures in the East Mark. Uh, <laughs> if talking of art and talking of beautiful, um, beautiful role playing games, and it is, of course, a plug here for our own David Brown. And not only because David Brown is putting it out, but because I would really buy this if it was an English translation, regardless if he was <laughs> he was putting it out himself. So please take a look at that one because it is. Beautiful. Thank <laughs> you. Beautiful. Thank you. And you could well, probably speak better to it than I can. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, we're doing well. Um, but I do have a, a good reveal and I I will reveal it here since you brought it up. Um we are going to add um starting tomorrow, um beta access to the blue box edition, um, which is the large setting book for the game. 
And over the weekend, uh, I got notice that uh, Mr. Frank Metzer has offered to do an introduction for the book. So cool. that nice. is a big reveal. So uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. That'll, That's awesome. Yeah, that, that news will be going up first thing tomorrow morning. So probably at, well, well before this gets to air. But um, yes, we're very, very excited about that. Uh, for those not in the know, sorry, I guess you should say it is a, uh, a retro game, <laughs> very much uh, uh, homage to the older school um, fan, original fantasy game. And uh, hence Frank's uh, interest and support and uh, beautiful art. It's, it's based a uh, Spanish based game and uh, thrilled to be part of it and really largely came out of from my you know participation in the ninth world hub and meeting people from all over the world including the folks some of the folks behind this so uh, awesome awesome opportunity so thanks for mentioning it eric yeah and it's uh it's worth backing for the artwork alone so the art is amazing well cool all right so um i think that's uh that's pretty good for today there's obviously a few more out there but um uh, this has really uh, been a fantastic show. I really appreciate you guys being on board and uh, supporting us and uh, um, hope that we have opportunities to talk to you both now on two different shows. Uh, this one more about Numenera and, and a new one uh, more about The Strange. Awesome. I look forward to it. Me too. Excellent. All right. Um, so thanks, guys. And uh, I hope hope we have you guys tune in again soon. And that is the end of transmissions thank you thanks Thanks. David and Jim and Eric and Brandon (laughs) thanks to everyone thanks (laughs) thanks everyone everyone. thank you all The Transmissions from the Ninth World podcast is not affiliated with Monty Cook Games. It has been produced under the Creative Commons license and is for entertainment and information purposes only. Music provided by Kevin McLeod. Transmissions from the Ninth World is a proud affiliate of the D20 Radio Group.